first thing about Germany, why I made a curator's pick of the Hollywood French What's going on, y'all? Welcome to another great episode of Hashtag TFR. Oops, that's Observations TFR. <laughs> Welcome to Hashtag Observations TFR. I am just pumped today because not only when I bring this image in is my sister going to be there, but we have a filmmaker, right? A filmmaker from Stockton, California. We've been advertising this all week. The phone lines are open. 213-943-3358. 213-943-3358. The chat lines are open at the Film Review Life channel on YouTube. Make sure you smash the subscribe button, the like button, the share button. Let everybody know that this is on. Leave your comments. We will read them over the air. We want to shout out to all of the people who are watching us on the various platforms that we are streaming, simulcasting on right now. Periscope, Vimeo, a certain social media site, and the Film Review Live channel on YouTube. That's right, you go right to the Film Review Live channel and you will see it right there. You will watch us and put your comments down. We will read. And also we are on Blog Talk Radio 213-943-3358. So without further ado, I'm gonna bring in my sister and the man of the hour. The man of the hour, the one we've been advertising all week long, all week long, fresh from Stockton, California, making it happen as a do-it-yourself filmmaker. I'm talking about none other than Keith Lee. What's going on, people? How y'all doing today? Let's just check out the mics real quick. I had you go first, Tanya, as usual, and then we have Keith come in, but I did hear that I could hear him. Hopefully, Keith, you have some headsets so we won't hear the feedback, because we're going to hear some feedback if you don't have uh, headsets on. But let's see. All right, so here we go. What's going on with you, Tanya? Hey, good morning. Good morning. I'm excited to be here this morning. We made it to Friday, y'all. A fun Friday. Of course, you know, every day we talk about what we have to snack on. So I have, you know, a gala apple and some mixed nuts and dried cranberries and, and pumpkin seeds to have. And then, of course, I have my high power tea this morning. But I'm excited to uh, interact with our filmmaker guest today. Keith Lee, nice to meet you, sir. Thank you for coming on with us this morning. Hello, hello. Hi, it's nice to meet you too. Thank you guys. Thank you. Okay, there you go. That's a better image because you you were all cut off. You was all cut off, Tanya, by the view screen. So I had to readjust. You know, I thought (laughs) I had something, but I found out it was nothing. But anyway, so how you doing this morning, Keith? 
Oh, I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm still breathing. So yeah, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. All right, all right. <laughs> sounds 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 good, just like it did yesterday. Want to say good morning to you, coming live from Stockton, California, Stockton, CA, right? So, what's right, going on right. with you this morning? I know you said that you you you're good, you're still breathing, but what's going on with you this morning? What's the next idea that's brewing in your head right now as an independent filmmaker? Um, right now, I'm just um trying to get things together because we're going to be putting out some stuff hopefully coming up uh soon on under under freeway films so we're just getting ready right now coming up with the freeway stories which will be an anthology series so we're coming up with stories right now for the uh season and premiere of that so we're trying to get all that together and writing it up and writing up the treatment for that and getting it all together so we can get ready to go for 2021 okay so when you say when you say free when you say freeway stories, well, we, we'll leave that alone because that should be after it's all ironed out, then we'll talk about it. But we had talked about it, but we're not going to talk about it now. Okay. All right. So this is Observations, episode 63, Keith Lee, filmmaker. Okay. So without further ado, let me bring this up. Let me bring this image up real quick so that everyone can see it so they will know what we are speaking of right here we are speaking of Keith Lee's latest offering to the viewing public called the West Coast and American Nightmare right so let's call American Dream uh, I mean, now I had this written down and I, and I said that that's my fault. The West Coast, an American dream. So tell us, Keith, what direction are you going in with this, and what does it what does it mean to you? Because I see that you have the triple K in there. So what is that supposed to mean to the people when they watch it? Okay, when they, when people actually watch it, the KKK doesn't necessarily stands for the Ku Klux Klan or anything like that. It stands for like more of the government because that's how people on the streets, we feel like we're against the government and it's not nothing that you can see we're against the government. It's just something that we've been knowing that's been going on for a while. Like the three strike laws that keep us locked up. Like um, we never, we, we don't manufacture these guns that, that that's on, that's in, a, um, I guess that's in the communities right now. They have guns out there with names we can't even pronounce but they're blaming us for, for shooting each other, which we're not the ones that's manufacturing or building. And then they blame us for drugs and we're not the ones that build, that's bringing them across the border. So you have to really look, take a look in deep, deep, deep and look into when you're watching the stuff that happens to these minorities and these people that's from the streets, you think it's like all oh, kind of like their fault, but a lot of the stuff is being brought in from the government and it's being brought in from people who have way more power than what we have. They have cartels, they have, it's, it's a lot of things that's going on that we're being blamed for. And it's not really that we're involved with it. It's like more with the, with the government and stuff. There's not enough jobs. So it puts us in situations to make us have to defend for ourselves. So when you look at it, it's just an overall, like a big metaphor for what's really going on that's bubbling and about to burst over. So it's just like a one big metaphor for like what we're fighting up against. And that's injustice. That's what we want to hear. So, does the 
reference to the triple K in the name, does that also mean that somehow or sometimes the triple K affects the actions, the the metaphor of the triple triple K sometimes affects the movements or the morals of American black people where they would go at each other. Does that mean that also? Yes, because you also have to take a look at that. <clears throat> There's a lot of people that's in power that are prejudiced. And you don't know that when you go into court that this person might be prejudiced and give you more time just because of the color of your skin. So it's a lot of factors that's behind the scenes that's playing into why we're getting locked up. Like when the crack epidemic came years ago, they uh, took a lot of brothers, brothers and sisters off of the street because they were selling drugs and they considered selling drugs as if he was a gang member. So they gave you the same amount of time as a gang member when that's not really what you were or anything. So it was just a plan to get everybody off of the streets. So it's a lot of things that's going on behind the public that's prejudiced. And there's nothing you can do about it right now because that's just the way the system is set up right now. Until further on, we can weed out the bad and get in all of the good people. But behind the scenes, you, you, you don't know. It could be somebody prejudiced that's keeping you and holding you down from a job or, or anything because it's like there's not enough jobs in the world for everybody. But some people can get through if you, if you know somebody. So it's kind of like a no person thing too here now. And if you're black and you know somebody that's in a powerful position, then um, that's not a minority, then they definitely probably hire you because you probably stand out. But right now, it's a lot of prejudice in this world right now, and they're trying to cover it up. But they know that it's a lot of injustices, just like with the police, the police killings and stuff. The police could kill, could kill a minority, and when you go to court and stuff, they get off with the killing. So you know it's a prejudice thing because all your facts that you have hold up. The facts that the police have is, is none because it, is being justified even on video now even with a video killing you still they're still not getting um what i say a rifle do because when we go to court they're getting left off i mean well they're getting actually letting the police off for free i mean they're not even going to jail most of them and if they do they letting them bond out so you know it's, it's definitely a lot of prejudice stuff going on behind the scenes well let's go here because i cut up a presentation to give people an even greater understanding, middle standing and overstanding of who you are as a person. As the woman says, he is an advocate, advocate for Stockton, California movie makers, right? And this, yes. this presentation also shows you some of the harrowing things that can happen while you are an advocate and you still have to speak up while it's happening and it shows loss. And this is what we're going to be covering today with Keith. So let's go through it real quick. Let's uh, bring this up so that we can see it. And it goes like this. The reason we're here is because one, to pay tribute to Janet Lee for really putting um, filmmaking and, and acting you know, on the map for Stockton. And it's a big step to be able to have a film director, filmmaker, independent filmmaker from Stockton, Golden State Studios. Golden Studios. Yeah, Golden State Studios, Golden State, Studios, Golden State Films, um, independent production company out of the Valley of 209. Mm -hmm. And so 
having that tie in together, I think is absolutely a phenomenal thing because not only is Keith um, just a filmmaker, he is an advocate. He's an advocate for our community in bringing um, recognition and uh, an awareness to film making and the film industry and all the particulars and intricacies that go along with industry. Children right here, man. I told y'all, y'all gotta have some signs to say, man, it's all fake, we filming. It's life, bro. Stock and shit. Boss man. Yeah. Can we sit up at least? Huh? What? <laughs> what is this? Wouldn't it be Gibbs, huh? Keith. Keith. Yeah. Yeah. Let me pause that for a minute before we go on. See, when you're drawn down upon by Stockton police, right? And there's no there's no heartbeat in your voice. It's just you you telling it like it is. And I mean that that takes a lot. That shows the advocacy that he has in the next the next part here goes into the disorganization that I believe the Keith sees in the city as far as film is concerned, right? So I just wanted to break in yes. and give context to the context, you know. All right, so let's continue on. Yes. 
my advice to you is not to have fake guns and not to do that. That's my advice. Yeah, I went down there and talked to the field commissioner, and they don't have a Who's field, field commissioner. That's why. That, let me finish. They said they don't have one here, and they said that. Yeah, they don't have no um, no jurisdiction. It's just a free shooting place. Like I shot, I filmed in Sacramento before. I had to go pay for the police. When I went downtown, they told me that we couldn't pay you guys. That, but you're right about um, making a date and letting you guys know. Just, just calls. That's what we're asking. Just, yeah, you know, we were trying to get do this in like ten minutes and get out. We were trying to do it in ten minutes and get out. Hey, what's up? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. My name is Keith Lee. I'm the writer and director of the new film called The West Coast of American Dream. We'll be playing on March 28th at the Janet Lee Theater here in Stockton, California. Uh, we sold out of tickets in one day. I want to tell everybody thank you for buying tickets. Uh, Cash app of DMing me, uh, buying tickets on the streets, buying them from my house. Thank you, everybody. But on March 28th, we'll be having a film premiere at the Janet Lee Theater in Stockton, California. guys are the first ones to see the rough cut but you see which direction we are going where we're trying to push and which we're trying to bring the stock in and hopefully you guys will be able to be, enjoy it next month at the premiere yeah they call me young mix you know east side Color beam at your melaton, trying to give you a split image. I paint a nigga whole body red, but I ain't talking about no filter. Catch me off in traffic, swerving on your bitch whip. And I got a face down low, she put lipstick over my dick. Always see I'm drifting, got her all through them lines. Soon as I hit that bitch, y'all, so I'ma beat it up like a slave. Then I'm on to my next bitch like a loose dog and no chain. See, I got diamond cash in my necklace and drop five there on that ring. I found me a new connection for my make bitch in LA. And all she do is give me lift sex on next shot with that brain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. You know, this, that is a quick edit that I put together that represents his advocacy, his push, his hustle, his desire, his promotion, his marketing ability as a do-it-yourself filmmaker. And in the end, it's a tribute to him, the loss of him losing his younger brother, you know, just last month. I mean, it's a, a shocker. And I, and I told him, I said, man, I listened to his flow and I was like, that's incredible. So we're going to move through that. I, I, I didn't mean to make anything happen like that, Keith. Uh, you know, I just wanted to make sure I get a tribute, get a tribute to you and get a tribute to your brother too at the same time, you. you know. And uh, so let's go through this. Let's, let's let's back up first. Let's go back. Let's go back to a conversation that we were having uh, yesterday about what Stockton, California was like even before you were born. Your great grandfather. Let's go. Let's go through that. Let's pull that through. All right. Well, at least Stockton growing up is like. It was like any other place, you know, it was all mostly, well, my great grandfather came here. He came from, you know, down south and he got the train out here. He couldn't read or write, but he made a way when he, he was going, they were, the rest of my family went to like, Sam to the Bay Area, some went to LA, a lot of them went to LA, but 
my great grandfather, he stopped and stopped it. And he, he was a um, pillar of the community. He started his own construction company. He could barely read and write. Um, he was hiring a lot of black people in our community to work uh, doing construction because he was, uh, there was no jobs back then at the time, but he figured out a way to help the black people. So they started building churches and a lot of houses in my community. And at this time, it was, a, it, was, it was mainly a lot of black people out here in Stockton. I mean, they had uh, every side of town. They had their own stores, liquor stores, grocery stores. They were they trying to come up. And after a while then, you know, my mom and them were born, born their generation came like in the 70s and stuff. They were doing the 70s. I was born during the 70s. So it, it was still a lot of black people. But like everything else happens, time changes, uh, and, you know, drugs came. Uh, a lot of people, family members made a lot of bad decisions. And what I mean by that was they sold off um, like our great grandparents who came and left us the houses, well, our parents' houses, they ended up selling those houses because of, uh, they wanted money and stuff. And they made a bad mistake. And by that way, by selling the ha houses, it messed up the community because then the black community started changing because other other ethnicities started coming in and buying up the property. You got a few few whites. Uh, we have a side of town that was called Oakyville. They they was right over there, but then the Mexicans and us, we all had to become one because we had to start sharing the same neighborhood. So they started coming, and um, the black people started move, moving. They started moving away again. So after they sold all their sold all their houses, it made our community even smaller. The black black population probably led, probably like six percent or something like that in Stockton, and probably like thirteen percent in the United States. So we're very, very, very small here. And after that, I guess um, you could say the, the Crippin' Blood era came. And it was a lot of Crips that came down from LA down to Stockton. It was, so mainly it was a lot of Crips in Stockton. And after that, that's how we ended up losing a lot of our black men. A lot of our black kings ended up going to jail during the Crips and Bloods era. And it was, that's when I was saying that during that time, everybody wasn't a, a, a gang member. You had some people that were drug dealers but they were giving the drug dealers the same amount of time as if you did a drive-by or something. So they cloaked them all, put them all into one thing. So we started missing a lot of our black men, a lot of our kids and stuff were growing up without their parents around here because of that incarceration time that they were doing. They was giving out my friends football numbers just for even selling drugs. You're getting 30, 40 years or offering me with that. And gang members, I mean, for drive-bys or even getting caught with guns, they were giving them extra, extra time when basically you could have just gave a person rehabilitation Facilitation and some and some help and stuff, but they think that because of the area that you grew up in and the reason why you carry a gun, you automatically is a threat to society. When that's not the case, they didn't understand that it was a gang mentality going on, and basically you were just carrying a gun to even walk to the store because you didn't want to get shot, or you riding in the car because you want to go to another side of town and you don't want to get shot. So you taking them chances and no risks of carrying a gun back in the day. And that got a lot of people incarcerated. So we started losing, losing a lot of our black, our black men around here. So our percentages on black men went down. So we really don't have that many because a lot of men are incarcerated and they steadily, steadily locking them up. There's no rehabilitation program. There's no welding or construction schools or anything like that here. So it's basically you're fending for yourself and. Right now, it's like the jobs. There's really like not too many jobs here in Stockton. It's more or less like companies. Like Amazon moved here a few years back, so that 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 kind of helped the minorities here because that's that's the biggest thing here is Amazon. 
And if you get lucky, then you get to get the Tesla. That's the second big, well, that's the first biggest thing and then Amazon, because of the, just because of the pay and the benefit. But right now, all the jobs are really, really scarce around here, unless you're working at McDonald's or something like that, because they don't have any high tech companies out here or anything like that to push us forward. Because you have to, like what we were talking about, you have to, they have, we need app building around here. We need um, stuff that people can learn how to work computers to go forward. And we never really got that and got, got that around here for anybody to succeed. So it's making it kind of hard for us to really go forward without the education and stuff. And that's why the biggest jobs here is Amazon and Tesla, because it's not like you need a, a four year or two year college degree to go to even be able to go there and work. You can just go there and hopefully know somebody and you can get on and be able to get a job and support your family that way. Otherwise, jobs real here, stocking is real scarce right now. Everybody's trying to fight for different positions right now because it's not that many positions here. So it's, it's definitely been a big change from when my, my great grandfather and everybody came from the South because when they came from the South, their biggest thing was go to school, go to college, you know, buy, buy a home. But the second generation after my great grandfather, they didn't, that's when they didn't catch on to that. Nobody else finished going to four year college like in like down south atlanta and alabama their biggest thing is finish college buy some land buy some houses but that wasn't instilled in us down here some some type of way we missed that and if we could get back to that then it, it'd be great to buy land and property but the way everything marked up right now it's impossible for us to even even buy buy one house because of the bay area has changed everything in stockton so much that a million dollars houses up there made everything down here our, our house is going for five, five hundred, three hundred thousand easy in a, in, a, in a bad neighborhood. So it marked up everything, so nobody can afford houses here really anymore, unless you maybe could find a fixer upper. But when my great grandfather came here, that's what you could buy. You could buy land. You could buy. It was just open for everybody. You could buy acres and everything. And now everything is just so tight that you won't be able to buy anything now unless you really, really come here with with. Uh, at least 400,000 now to be in a, a right neighborhood or something like that because our small house is like 300,000 now for one, two, well, I say three bedrooms. Like on my side of town, the east side is like 300,000 starting right now. You can get a two bedroom, but this way it, it, it keeps the minorities not being able to buy anything right now because all the people from the Bay Area, the tech people are coming down to Stockton and buying up all of the houses. So if you're not in that market right now, it's going to be hard. Hopefully, Things go down since they said that everybody from the Bay Area is moving out of the, the Bay Area trying to go, um, you know, like buy houses like down in Tahoe and everybody's moving from the Bay Area. So it's going to maximize all the rent to come down a little bit lower because they're still going to need people to live in the city because all of them people that, that were tech people came from Silicon Valley and they had boats and cars and they drove to San Francisco to the little small apartments and, and they made the rent go up there like. A studio probably is 1500 to 2000 for a studio now in the Bay Area. So that's what makes people want to commute. So if you want to commute, you start thinking faster and like, okay, I got to get out of Frisco. I got to get out of uh, Silicon Valley, Napa. So you you migrate. You migrate towards San Francisco. I mean, you migrate towards Sacramento. You migrate towards Stockton. And a lot of people went to Tracy. So because you can get more money bang for your buck is what they say. But... For them, they just get more room because they're from the Bay Area. They're used to having so much small stuff. So it's a lot of commuting going on around here right now. 
but that's how everything has changed it was real real fast when my great grandfather came and i came mm. so it's definitely been so, a big major shift. so that's what you're going to cover in the west coast an american dream is that what you're going because the yes. first one you made sure that you got because covid hit right but yes. you made sure yes. that you got the pilot up you got the done and got it up right and it's a yes. six part series it's a, a mini series yes. basically yes. and yes it. and you're going to cover that reality because in the film when i watched it you had an older gentleman telling the history of Stockton, right? And it was yes. kind of like a yes. it was kind of like a lament because it's not like what people think. There is no real black and brown coalition. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. There's there's no one right now. Yes, I used the older character because I wanted him to represent Stockton, and I wanted him to represent more of knowledgeable that he had been here for for a while and he was like a generation he knew he felt and he knows what's going on and he knows his hand is on the whole post because he's been here and he's seen the change and he knows how when he used to because we had a free on the, the neighborhood that we grew up in um what they did was the government did to stop us from even elevating they put a highway to our whole neighborhood i used to live on the same where the highway is now me and my mom and my brother and stuff. My older brother, um, we used to live in a, in, a, in a house, but the government came and they decided they want to put a freeway through Stockton. And in order for them to put this freeway freeway through Stockton, they would have had to put it through the east side. And that's where my whole family is from. Um, a great grandfather, grandfather, grandmother, mama, uncle, brothers, we're all from this one side of town, from the east side. And they put that freeway through. And when they put that freeway through, it caused a lot of problems because a lot of people had to move so it made a lot of black people move they sold their houses because the government was giving them more than what they almost double what they had for their houses i mean a few people didn't stay like my friend's mom and eric's uh grandmother and eric sloan she stayed and kept her house they didn't build it through her house but a lot of people sold 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 out and what that did was we already had a lot of asthma going around in our neighborhood and stuff a lot of it but now we have a lot of fumes that's coming up into the air and a lot of people getting sicker. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, people got cancer out here in the neighborhood, asthma and not knowing why, but it could be from, the, from, from this freeway because they put up big old poles in the neighborhood. Look like they have cameras on the top of them and they're supposed to be just for the uh, pollution. And people come like once every month or something to check, it's supposed to be for the pollution. So then they know what's going on around here, but they built that freeway right through our neighborhood and, and that kind of messed it up around here. And on top of that, they built a, we got a, uh, what is that called? Where, where they throw away all the trash at around here too. We got we got one of those in our neighborhood. So the government, they they know exactly what they're doing. Even these government officials in, in our own town because they're not, they claim that they're helping a lot of people and the homeless and a lot of things. But if you drive through our town, you'll see exactly what they're talking about and you'll know that that's not what they're doing here. So it, it's a lot of people that's up there it's, these are city officials that's not really doing what they're supposed to be doing, but everybody's making it look good. Story, that story that you tell, that's a story of Detroit. A lot of different black cities at the time mm -hmm. when we were coming up and we were developing our own thing. It was almost kind of like the 
what they call the race riots of the early 1900s, yeah. right? They yeah. find yeah, a way also, to, also. yeah, they find a way to destroy the economic base of the American black communities. And then, so running freeways was the latest version of race rioting. You know, they just had them yeah. cut through, yeah. buy people out their houses. Like wherever the business district was for black people, that's where the freeway went. You know what I mean? So exactly. I mean, you're telling a, I mean, you're telling a invaluable story about Stockton, but it's it can be applied to other places, and so people are definitely going to feel you. I mean, have you ever thought about doing a more like a documentary piece about it, where you talk to the yeah. people and you use the images and things to tell that story because you're deeply immersed in the history it actually uh about before i started doing this on um, the west coast american dream i was going to shoot a documentary and it was called uh why did the black people come to stockton and i wanted to show what uh, you know how we migrated here and where everybody came from because we have some we have some people here that's really been doing incredible things i mean because on my street, I grew up on was Washington Street, and across from me was the first um, black teacher, black teacher in Stockton, and they even uh, built a school off for Mrs. Um, Henry. They built a school off for her, and then we had we had some other um, gangs barbershop, but he just passed away, so I wasn't able to interview him. But he was the first person in, who owned a whole like owned his own barbershop here. He's been here and is still here for right now to this day, and we had some um, some more people too. We have. Just, just, just the people that I was doing, try to make sure that I won't be able to get them before they passed away. So I'm still thinking about trying to shoot that because we don't know our history here. Nobody does. Nobody really knows the history here. So that's that's another problem that none of the black people know the history of why we came to Stockton. We came because we wanted a better life. Our, well, our, grand, our great-grandparents came because they wanted a better life. And, and that's what it still should be. But right now, it's a lot of turmoil and a lot of gun violence and stuff. And, in the streets right now, police prejudice, pandemic. So we're fighting against a lot of things right now that you can go forward. But if we can get back on that mentality to where all the black people are trying to get back together and, and everybody can tell people how to buy property, how to get your credit straight, because that's another thing. Nobody tells everybody how to get their credit straight. You have to do that on your own unless you hire somebody. Mm -hmm. But they used to be passed. it used to be passed down. Now they don't even pass that information down no more. And we need to start getting back together because we don't, like where I'm from, we don't have that many black automotive companies here. I mean, even independent ones, we don't even have that here. And I guess it's because maybe it's the loan process. I don't I don't know how that's really working right now, but it could be with the loan process too. But maybe now the pandemic is in, maybe we, people can get extra money and start a business. I'm not for sure how that's working, but right now we just need a lot of, a lot of people in power out here in Stockton right now. Got a, got some questions for him, Tanya. You know, this is an interesting. Um, this is this is our first <laughs> interview on this particular hashtag observations TFR, and we have a very interesting person, filmmaker Keith Lee, and he's very knowledgeable about what's happening. You know what I mean? So, got some questions. Yeah, I do. Um, how open do you think the city officials? are in your area to discussions 
about things that concern the people because my thing is if they're not open to discussions about things concerning the people then how do they get the vote of the people to be in the offices they're in if they're not supporting that's definitely right because to talk to these city officials i mean we we, we just got we had the first black mayor he was the youngest oprah put up ten thousand for him he, he ran, he just lost though. He ran, he lost to another guy. And this other uh, mayor, I don't know anything about him. I don't even know if he's from Stockton or anything, but I know the other, our last mayor, Mayor Tubbs, he was from Stockton. His family was from from the, um, from the from Stockton too. His grandmother, his dad, his dad used to be, well, dad's incarcerated, but he was from Stockton. And what I have found out was none of them really listens to you. None of them, because I found that out while we were shooting shooting our movie while we were shooting this first episode when the police that clip when the police drew down on us what happened was mm -hmm. we, we i had i had shot this movie a movie before in sacramento i went i hired the police had them there on, on set and everything so i knew exactly what i was doing so when i went down to the police station here in stockton they didn't say call in or anything they just said that it's a free shooting zone they don't have a film we don't have a film commissioner here there's no paperwork to sign. All I need to do is get permission from the people on the location that I was filming on. And they didn't say put up any signs as long as I had permission from the um, from the location. And it was independent location because you're not allowed to shoot on any government, like schools or anything, like school. Um, anything that had to do with the government, you're not allowed to film on. And that particular day when we were filming, it, I, I felt like we were set up by the police. And I say that because we had been there filming already. We, we were there filming, and when I when I was saying for the next for the next scene, I was getting ready to say and action. So when I said action, that's when they started yelling, put the guns down, and we didn't even notice it was like twenty police behind us. So that means that they had already made a call, called in, got together because the guns that they had on us were like machine guns with infrared on us. And if you're from the streets, you know that the police can't ride around with those cars like that. I mean, with those guns in the cars like that. You have to get them and unlock them and take them out of your building. Those are special guns. Mm -hmm. and, they, and, on they, and they even had police on the other side of the building. So they had set us set us up to make it seem like, like we were stupid and we didn't know what we were doing. And at the end of the video, I was trying to explain to the police officer that I had went down and talked to everybody that you could talk to just so I could be able to shoot this scene with these, with these guns because they were, they were fake guns. And so afterwards, when they drew down on us and I tried to talk to him about it, and he was talking about, you should call in. That, that, that's impossible. You can't call in. You have to just, he told me you can call in. When I talked to him, they said you couldn't call in, that you'd have to, you'd have to um, set something up with them first. And I didn't find this out until a meeting afterwards that they had with me because I had got so upset. I went down there because the news people came and they made it seem like, we didn't um, talk to the field commissioner and they said they wouldn't talk to the field commissioner, but there isn't a field commissioner here. There's, Stockton is just a free filming place that you could shoot. All you need is a camera. There's no paperwork or anything like that. So that's when I went down and I had a, um, a meeting. They had a police officer there and that's when he said, well, we're gonna we'll work something out for you guys. But now, since you brought this up, um, it would take you guys two months. You'd have to, two months and then get contact with the police and then they after those two months then they have somebody on there because they don't have paid police officers here to be on set and i told them that's a problem here because i'm not the only filmmaker that's that's i'm probably the first one 
coming with this like this situation but it's this is a new thing that's going on and our, and our city is kind of slow on filmmaking so i tried to get them to uh i guess get the police to where we could hire them for 75 dollars an hour because that's how much i paid so they said they were going to work on that and it was going to be contact with me and that we will be able to make a web page and, and, and say the logistics and everything and indexes an uh, index to where people would know the ins and outs about shooting in Stockton. But I went to talk to my city council man, and she wouldn't even she wouldn't even call me back. I kept calling her and calling her because she's the district five over the over the area that I'm in, to where the police had drew down on us in my neighborhood. So I called her for meetings and meetings. And her name is Christina Fagazi, but she she wouldn't even they wouldn't meet with me afterwards so i would record the phone calls i still record the stuff and i uh, put it up there because i figured that maybe i should be the film commissioner since we don't have one here and i <laughs> i felt like right that's right that's what i told yeah. that's what i told you keith i said right. you should start it get all the organizations put that book together with all the different places to shoot yeah. You know what I'm saying? Get that organized mm -hmm. and everything. And let me say this, because we're getting into the politics of things. This is observations. TFR is just our observations, our opinions on things through yes. experience. Right? And the views expressed of the guests yes, are, are the views of the guests, and so not the necessarily the views of hashtag observations TFR. Let's continue on now. Now we had to do that quick disclaimer. Now, yes. So the I spoke, the last to, I spoke one, to uh, you. Oh, I had spoke to you about okay. being the film commissioner because yes, I saw that yes, you had sat down with a person, and he was pretty much from what I could see, blowing smoke, right? And yes, it seems like there's no organization, no organization there amongst amongst the Caucasian people. I don't know what's going on. Right, right. Actually, he had, uh, when the news people came, the guy that I had that I was interviewing, the news people had came and interviewed me and they went back and interviewed him. And he had told them that he was the film commissioner. But he's not. I don't know why he he, he oh. said he was or isn't. Yeah. So he told the film people that. So it kind of made me look bad on TV. Saying, "Yeah, we talked to the film commissioner. He said that they should have. You're not even a film commissioner. You're just a representative here, and you own. Matter of fact, you don't even own nothing. You're just you're just a representative here for Stockton, and and that's it. And I got explain to him we don't even have a film commissioner. People not." There's no way to organize this because even without a film commissioner, we're missing millions of dollars here is what I explained to them too. Because without a film commissioner, how are we going to bring any films here from Hollywood or any other place to sit up here to bring our, our, our local people any money? I mean, because if you bring multi-million dollar movies here, then everybody will get a chance to work on a movie set. I mean, well, not everybody, but some people may get a chance to work on a movie set. But uh, uh, the dollars that spent from the millions will be circulated through at least through the neighborhoods and stuff. But without that, without film commissioners, there's no way to get anything done around here because there's no one to talk to. There's no one to even go get your locations, paperwork from, or even tell you where you can shoot at or can't shoot at. We don't even have a web page here that tells you um, the ins and outs and the rules and regulations of filming in Stockton. There's no rules and regulations nowhere that you can even find for filming in Stockton. So they need to, we need to um, really come together about that and hopefully with this new mayor i'm gonna talk to him and see where he's at 
about being a film commissioner and having one here because I know that our last mayor, he hired his friend to just go around and film film for him. So he that's what the last mayor did. So I know that there's money and money for this because this is this is art. And I don't know why they're not treating it like it's not art because it's definitely art. They treat everything else here like it's art and give all type of grants and everything, but it's not it's not really pushing it for the film side right now because when I was in, in um I've been in two film organizations, like three different film organizations. Like in San Francisco, I was in um, organizing the Film Arts Foundation. We don't have a Film Arts Foundation here in Stockton. I was in that. I was in the IFP in Hollywood. Um, I was like, when I was 20, 21, I was in an um, organization called uh, Brotherhood. And that was like the, uh, all the filmmakers in the Bay Area were helping each other because there was no union jobs in the Bay Area about 20 years ago for black people. So uh, my friend by the name of Armand Garrett and Otis Best, they uh, they, they knew they knew like Jeannie Rucker and Jeannie Rucker was the film commissioner of Oakland at the time back then. So they would uh, go talk to her and she would help the black people. She would tell them about the job that was coming in from Hollywood. And then that way um, they'd go hire us and hire different people because we had a friend by the name of Marty Jones and I had met him through Armand and Otis and his sister Regina, uh, but they were black filmmakers and I was from Stockton. I had just met them, but they had introduced me to people who was on a higher level than me. And Marty Jones was working for Underdog Films and Underdog Films was from Los Angeles. But what Underdog Film was, they was mainly doing video. They did MC Hammer videos, Pumps and the Bumps, One Pumps and the Bumps, Two, E40 videos. And that's how I started working on video because of that connect. So I started PA, well, I interned first, and then I started PA and getting paid off. I started getting paid for working on these videos, but that's that's how another thing we have. We need a film. We need a film. We need a film commissioner, and plus we need a film foundation here so that we can go into a small office and get the paperwork and stuff that we need to be able to go out there and start filming because we don't even have that there. Right. Yeah. So, that, so let me say for people, for the people who are just coming in, we are in the middle of a very interesting interview with filmmaker Keith Lee from Stockton, California. Now, his latest offering is up on Amazon Prime. Did I neglect to say that it's up on Amazon Prime right now, right? The West Coast, an American dream. The West Coast, an American dream, but this is not his first rodeo in making film. So, you know, we have, you know, we have this coverage, you know, we, we have it ready. Greedy. Greedy is a film from the 90s. Let me tell you, this film is, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's, it, it, what's so funny about looking at things that happened in the 90s, people were wearing the baggy clothes, so it kind of looks the same. But then it's not. But, you know, it leaves you with a cliffhanger and makes you want more. And then you can tell them what uh, Fumes of Fury is about. And then, of course, the West Coast, an American dream is playing right now on Amazon Prime. And then you know the question I'm going to ask you after you talk about Fumes of Fury is well I'm, I'm, I'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait tell us about 
of Fumes of Fury. Make sure y'all smash the share button, the like button, because there is information being given out by this do-it-yourself filmmaker. Every bit when he's telling the story about how to go about doing it or the somewhat technical difficulties brought about by others, it is a teachable moment, right? So what's Fumes of Fury about? Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Films of Fury is a uh, it's more of a docudrama. It's like a movie with inside a movie with pictures and 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 I guess uh, music to tell the story, recreation with a sound over to tell the story. But what it is is it's about it's about graffiti, but it takes you through how graffiti was an art form and it changed from being an art form to where you have these artists will quote artists who go out there and just write their name and tag it and cross their name out so it was like a whole different world beside graffiti it was like they were like in gangs and shooting and stuff with over backpacking and stuff at the time and the reason why we had came up with this concept because my neighbor he was my my cousin and my neighbor are graffiti writers and it was changing over to when they were people were writing their names people started crossing them out so it's turning into they started turning into like small gang wars and stuff and this movie was kind of like uh, how I ended up making this movie was I was I was already I did all the film stuff but at this time the whole medium was changing over from uh, film going into uh, DV so we shot this uh, mini mini DV I was a uh, I was a uh, in school at the time learning learning editing I went back to school to learn to learn Final Cut Pro and all that yeah just Final Cut Pro I think at the time. To learn Final Cut Pro, and I was supposed to uh, actually shoot this movie through school, and we was gonna use all of the all of the school equipment and stuff. But it was it was supposed to let me do it after my last semester because I had been there. My uh, I was getting an AA, and it was like my last semester, and I was supposed to film. But my professor had called me in um, that summer, and he was like, uh, "Keith, we're not gonna uh, make films of fear. We're gonna make a movie script that I wrote and directed, and you can uh, assist and direct. But the other professor on the campus is gonna assist and direct, so you can assist and assist and direct." I was like, "Well, you guys go ahead and make that movie. I just go on and do what I can and make what I can." So basically, I I had shot and edited. I shot, edited the whole thing, yeah, but it wasn't like my best best work i was really doing it out of anger because i wanted a project out so bad so i just got my friends together and we just went out and just shot this on mini tv and i edited and everything and put it together but it, yeah, it takes you through the history of uh graffiti writing it gives you a history lesson it gives you shows you kind of the background of what a film i mean what a, a tagger or a graffiti writer goes through and it gives you a whole story but that one was, it, it, I just did that out of, more out of pain because I really wanted to show that I could even do something. And I wanted to try to see if I could shoot a whole movie on my own, just try it. Because I, I had it, did it. And I knew that I couldn't get a, um, a team together right now because when I was in school, there wasn't like any other filmmakers that was doing the same thing I was doing. I, I was basically ahead of everybody else. So we went out and we shot this one. We got it on Amazon Prime. Uh, yeah, we, we really pushed this one though, we pushed it. But I know that I could have did better and if I ever get uh, another chance to make a, a part two to this, which we go and do one day, it'd be a Fumes of Fury 2, then it'll, it'll definitely have a better and way more outlook on this one. But that was the main reason why we wrote to show the difference about graffiti writing and tagging. Okay. 
So now the question that I want to ask is what was the film? What was the film that made you say, I want to make film? What was that film? Tell us the circumstances behind it. Okay. Um, my, we had left uh, Stockton for a while, and um, my dad had joined the Army because he wanted to get a try to better life for us and stuff. And at the time when I was in Germany, uh, it was a big thing about a guy named, everybody knows who he is, Spike Lee. Spike Lee had came out a movie and it was she, you know, she's got to have it. And it, was, it wasn't even about his movie that everybody was talking about. It was the fact that this black guy had made a, had made a movie and, and grandma that gave him some money, he went to Morehouse and he, and he had made a movie. So that made everybody want to watch the movie. So it was like a bootleg in, in, in Germany, just passing around through all the black people, all the people, parents who was in the army. So, so I ended up watching it and I was, I was just so amazed that a black person had made it. I wondered how could he made it. So that had sparked the interest. So when I had got back to the States and stuff, um, two years later, I still had the same idea, but I was, I was, um, I was draw, I was drawing though. I was going to go to school for being a cartoonist, but, uh, I had moved to San Francisco because my older brother had just got killed and I was tired of, uh, of the game and I was just really wanting to just relax my brain and stuff because it was a lot of drive-bys and stuff. And I, I had, I just was ready to just um, stop selling drugs and all of that. So she said that, yeah, I can move with them in San Francisco. So when I went to Frisco, me and her was watching TV. And for some reason, it, I guess it just popped up on her about this black guy from New York had just made a movie and he went on the radio and was asking for money. And then he did something else to where he had his own view and it had the people come watch, watch uh, something that he had made and he had asked them for money. But the way he had did it was, I guess he had, they, they became investors the way Matty Rich did it. So everybody got the, a share of something that of his company. But he had made um, straight out of Brooklyn. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I watched his first movie on Matty Rich. And then I knew that he was a person from was supposed to be from the streets. And he had made a movie about the streets, about his father was an alcoholic and was an ex-veteran and beating up his mom and stuff in the movie. And, it, and that's when I realized that people from the streets can make movies and tell their own stories as long as it was inspiration and the outcome to the movies and it, and you're not glorifying violence and you have to really, really dig deep in these movies to tell these stories because you just don't want to put out anything that was just glorifying, glorifying violence. So yeah, that, that Matty Rich, he made me think, believe that it was possible, but Spike Lee sparked it. But so those two really, really got me going, but it, you still have to have that drive inside of you because it's definitely going to find out that it's not overnight. It's definitely not overnight, and hits don't come every day. Like when I when I first started, I I was picking up paper on uh, film sets in San Francisco. I worked on a, a movie called The Tenderloin. I worked on uh, How to Be a uh, What is that? I worked on a Panther movie, PA on there in Oakland. I worked on a, a, a what is that? Robin Williams movie in in San Francisco. So I, I was interning in PA first before I even learned any of this because it's, it's, it's a process and you gotta meet people who, who's gonna see you and watch you work because when I worked, I always, I figured out what Apple boxes was. People wasn't telling me on the set what things are. I would watch people and, and, and get the name myself. So then when I knew that if, the, if a person was looking for, I could tell that if he was just looking for like, if you, 
if a person is looking around, I know that he, for some reason I know that he needed the sandbag. So I get the sandbag and give it to him before him. So they'll see you hustling on the movie set and then they'll hire, hire you for another movie set. But you have to, you really have to hustle though before people to see you get your work done out there and they'll pretty hire you again. See, people, are you hearing the, are you hearing the game? You're getting game. Game should be sold. We're giving you a little game today. Just, just a little game today from Keith Lee, filmmaker from Stockton, CA. Right? Tanya, you got another question for him? Yes. Yeah, I love the fact that he said that you have to get your hustle on in order for people to recognize you. Yeah, because people are not going to hire anybody or they're not going to. I want to come alongside anybody that's not getting anything done. He's saying, you know, now some people, they're of another mentality. They're like, I ain't doing all that. They can see, you know, they can see when I give them my tape or when I give them my reel or when I give them whatever, they can see it. But no, they want to see your work ethic. Your work ethic is demonstrated in what you can do on what's the entry level. Your work ethic is demonstrated there. Then not only will people be looking at you to bring you on for different other parts of the job, they'll start asking you, well, hey, do you make film? Because mm-hmm. you're around, I think you around, you know, so then they'll begin to ask you because they like your work ethic. So that was that was a very yeah. um, that was a very insightful thing. And people need to really get that in their spirit that you have to show something. You got to show some intestinal mm-hmm. fortitude. Of that these days. Yes, you are so right. You are so right. Okay. Okay. So, you know, as we go through the presentation, it was edited up. We have to come to a more loss situation. Young Mix Mix. And we're not going to go into all the detail that we did yesterday, but I am going to ask you, do you have music already recorded and are you planning on releasing what he has in album form or EP form? Yes, what it is, my friend Smash, we're going to um, take the songs that he had and put them together and then try to put out like an EP because right now all the songs that he has is like all over the place. So we have to like go back and get the like we, we were in the studio finishing up a song when when this happened too. We we still have a unreleased song. He's supposed to put a verse another verse on. So we're just gonna take like a, a verse that he had on this song and then another verse from another song that he hadn't finished and then like try to put them all together so that we could piece them together and maybe because this was a real un, unfortunate um situation with little bro. We didn't I never I never even seen this coming because even when even in his dream since he was younger was to be a rapper and that's what he, he really wanted to be so we were working towards that but sometimes he had like one foot in and one foot out so he was going to jail but when he was in the penitentiary we, we talk on a we, we were talking like two years ago we were talking before i even shot this um shot this last movie we were talking i was like okay we're gonna get this together when you get out we're gonna we're gonna do this series i'm gonna, I'm gonna get the people together so we were really talking all the time and then, then we started making it happen when he came home. We started hitting the studios. He started being in doing the videos. I started shooting. I started shooting his first because this this first one that he's in, we were going to put him in this, but he was going to be in all of the rest of the series. But we were going to do 
his own movie too. We were getting ready to shoot his own movie this summer too. So we were really pushing hard for him to really come out. So now we're gonna just he'll be on a he'll be on a soundtrack that's coming out uh in December. But he has still got a video out, but if I do another video, it'd probably just be with a song and probably with his pictures and something to add it to it. But we're still gonna push with him because it was an unfortunate situation, uh how he got killed and and that was he got killed right after the same night that we had a had a funeral. And after the candlelight that night, you know, you got some people out here that could be jealous and some people that really don't don't really care about other person's lives because they could have fought it out, whoever did it, but somebody somebody came through and um shot shot my little bro twice, shot him in the head and shot him in the shot him in the leg. So it's a, a unsolved murder right now in my neighborhood right now and we don't have unsolved in my neighborhoods like that so for that to happen to him we know that it's it's, it's really something that that we're just trying to figure it out right now because that situation shouldn't even have happened like that because it, it, he just had carried um a casket to somebody's funeral that day and that was from another person who had just got killed that week before in our neighborhood and that was his that was his friend so he had carried his friend's body that day and then that night I thought he was okay. And, and I guess he wasn't because I, I was standing out front, me and my daughter, and I heard the gunshots. And, I, and this is the second time I heard gunshots in my neighborhood that somebody that was close to me had died because you can hear them and you're hoping that you hear gunshots all the time. But this one, when I heard it, it was different. I mean, it was like 10, 15 shots, but I, it was like I felt them though because I just said not mix, and, and I and I really and I really felt that, and I called his phone like five minutes, and right after I heard the shots, but he never answered. But his girlfriend came over like about ten minutes after that, telling me that he had got shot in the face, but he didn't get shot in the face. He got shot in the head. Somebody had just told her that through Facebook had hit hit her that quick. So stuff information travels faster than what police get. We, we streets get information first but this one was just it's, it's, it's a senseless killing it should it, it should it shouldn't happen i hope the person that did it get bad karma right now but it, it's just like it's an unfortunate situation that i can't even say that just for my neighborhood because chicago gets you know they they go through what they go to too like 28 22 on the weekend and um but it would just happen that it just happened with the same day as the funeral. So it was just so weird to us that night that why would somebody pick that night to even do something like that unless you're trying to hurt our our whole neighborhood because they know what he meant to all of us out here. I mean, he was he was a good person, a rising, a rising, one, of our, one of our black rising young kings from out here. And to do that, to take somebody's life like that, is just really, 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 you know, it, it hurts and it's, and it's senseless but you have to keep going forward and it's hard, but you just have to keep going until it's either some justice, justice going on. But it's, it's an unfortunate situation that a lot of black men is going through right now because a lot of people are losing their family members because it's a lot of guns on the streets right now. And it's a lot of guns because of, a lot of people have money. There's a lot of EDD scams, it's a lot of, it's a lot of scams going on. And if you wasn't ever, there's a difference between a hustler and a, and, a, and a gang member or a hustler and a shooter or a hustler and a gang banger. A hustler 
pictures is more that is more likely just to keep getting this money. And with this EDD stuff going on, you a broke person that that's that's a banger who never hustled. He's just a jacker and a robber. He gets some extra extra racks and stuff. And then now he got money, so they got more guns. So it's a lot of situations right now going on right now in neighborhoods that people got money who shouldn't have money and people got guns who shouldn't have guns. So it's a lot of killings you gotta watch out. And then the people who don't get the EDD money that's already jackers, they're even madder because they don't they don't they don't hustle, they don't have no money. So they're out here even robbing people. So it's home invasions going on, a lot of home invasions going on right now too. So you really gotta be it's just uh, the way twenty twenty is set up is is really crazy right now. It's just really crazy. Is that is that um does COVID nineteen affect that any? And what is what what is the effect of COVID on the film industry on the neighborhood period in Stockton? what's that like? Is that affecting what's happening? Is that making people more restless that they get out there and do yeah. something? So let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about the film and everything in the neighborhood. Yeah, a lot of people like, uh, I was supposed to have my premiere like in March 28th and, and the world shut down. So I wasn't able to have my premiere. And right after we was going to have a premiere, we was going to start back filming. So the whole world was, was like on lockdown. So nobody could film like, like those next three months. And then the summertime came like in June. And I think uh, Dion Taylor was the first one to to even start filming a, a excellent black filmmaker named Deion Taylor. He was the first one to have the guts and no fear to go out there. And he shot his up in Lake Tahoe. And he had T.I. Uh, as a, a guy from the power in it and a few other people. But he was the first one to take that chance. But uh, from when I looked at it, his budget had to be over 50 to 100,000 because everybody out there had on the PPE equipment, the gloves, the they 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 set had everything that you needed to be able to shoot a film. So I guess during that time, a lot of independent filmmakers like me and myself, and a lot of them, everybody's scared to take a chance in June and July. So nobody really 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 started filming or anything, and not even in Stockton, where people were filming probably like maybe a video or two or something like that, but no real projects. And everybody's stuck in the house and restless. And finally, now that people are I guess the summer's over, people are starting to be able to come back outside. But what that did was it, it caused a lot of anger in people because a lot of people were stuck inside. And since they weren't able, it, it caused like a lot of emotions inside of people. So when they finally got outside, it started being a lot of fights, a lot of robberies, people hanging out, gathering even more. So like everybody's still hanging on corners and, and still gathering around. It's not like what people, think it is to where everybody's gonna stay in the house and few people are wearing masks. I mean, nobody's really following the rules here in Stockton like that. And I hate that because it's like that. I guess I see Florida was like that and a few other people because it's, right now the stuff is rising up. But nobody's really been able to really um, film. Like I was thinking about it just, we was going to film like last month, but Mix got mix mix got my little bro got killed so that we had to change the story and I haven't changed the story yet and I still got to change the first the first uh well the second the second story because he was he was in it so I got to take him out since he passed away 
but nobody has really been filming any, anything because I'm I know I'm for sure ready but now they just said they might be shutting stuff back down again so I don't know how filming is going, going to go yeah again I don't know how it's going to go again with this lockdown and with this lockdown that's stopping a lot of people's money in and and they livelihood because if you were planning on putting out something for next year your, your time is going to be all backed up now and, and everything on filming is, is basically on timing so you know you're going to have to either wait it out during the winter and shoot in spring if everything is okay or you're just going to try to get you some gloves uh, masks and sanitizer get you a skeleton crew a skeleton budget and really figure out how you want to shoot your next your next project and don't make it a big super budget because you can shoot one in your house you can shoot one outside but you're going to have to be safe now and because i didn't want to film and put somebody else's life on the line and then i don't have insurance for my company to even help save or pay for any fuel costs if they did catch it and die or if somebody else i didn't want i just didn't want to be responsible for nobody's hands in my life until we really get this situation situated but you, I know that you can film, but it's a, it's a risk. It's, it's a risk, though. But I guess everybody, I guess life is a risk. You gotta roll the dice sometimes, but just be careful the way you're gonna be doing it, because it's been hard for everybody. Mm, 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 mm. For people coming in, we're interviewing the independent, do-it-yourself film maker extraordinaire from Stockton, California, Keith Thank Lee, you. right? We've Thank covered every type of subject matter possible from beginnings of Stockton to his purpose for making film to loss of loved ones to COVID-19, are you listening in your neighborhood? How similar is this to your neighborhood? And is it probable and possible that this is a sinister diabolical plan? That when times get hard, all of a sudden more guns come on the street, huh? Right? Yes. Right? Right? Like Yeah. Like so we shouldn't fall we shouldn't fall for it. We shouldn't fall for it. That's what I'm saying. We just shouldn't fall for it, right? Yeah. Okay. So Keith, tell them where they can see the West Coast and American Dream. Tell them where they can see it. Tell them how many times they need to watch it. How many times they need to say star 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 star. <laughs> you know, tell them where they can see it. Okay, you guys can go to Amazon.com. It's on it's on Amazon. If you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free. You don't have to pay if you have Amazon Amazon. And that's where it's at right now. But that's where we're gonna put the next segment at too. The next segment will be coming on Amazon too. So you can go to Amazon Prime and check it out. And if you and you can rent it for five ninety nine if you don't have Amazon Prime. You can still rent it for five ninety nine if you don't have Amazon. But it's definitely on Amazon Prime and that's where we're at right now. So Go check out the West Coast and American Dream. It's on Amazon Prime. You, hopefully, you know you enjoy it. You, your family, and everybody else. It's, it's definitely about Stockton and what Stockton is going through right now. And this is just the first episode, so it's like a cliffhanger at the end. So it's just the first episode, so you'll be able to see 
the rest of the rest of uh, the series when we start be back to filming after this pandemic, or we might take a chance to start filming. Depends on the actors and actresses if they feel comfortable enough. Then we'll just go ahead because I know everybody's kind of like shaky about filming right now. But I know I'm I'm not scared. It's just about being smart. But you can get it on Amazon.com and you can check it out. Hopefully next month we'll start trying to do some merch and stuff. Hopefully just a few shirts. I'm probably give them away though. I'm not gonna probably like sell them. I'll probably just give some shirts away and stuff and hoodies next month to keep it going. See see that marketing see that marketing and promotion of a do-it-yourself filmmaker, marketing, promotion, talking about doing things to get budget and telling you where to go see it, which is Amazon Prime. I enjoyed the film. Remember, we were talking about auteurs and person who deals with the music, with the script, with the shot selection, with the edits. And this is Keith Lee. He is a modern day auteur, right? And we just talked about auteurs yesterday. You see how we tie things here how we tie things together at hashtag observations TFR. Yes, we do. Yep. Yes, we do. So do you have a closing question before we let uh, Keith go, Tanya? Considering all of the uh, what's supposed to be um, designed roadblocks for many of us in artistic endeavors, um, have you kind I looked ahead and to try to see, okay, if this is if there's a block this way, then I'm gonna kind of pan and segue this way in order to keep things moving and not skip a beat. Um, yes, you mean as far as as in keep filming, or as far as in um, trying to get another studio to look at me, or uh, which uh, direction? Well, probably all of it, probably all of all of that, all of the above. I know you kind of spoke on yeah. what the hindrance is as far as shooting, right? But as far as everything yeah. else, you know, the 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 stumbling blocks are always put in front of us just when we're going to get the brass ring. Oh, we're right there. We're about to get it. Yeah. Next thing you know, the carousel horse dips down too low and we miss it. So, you know, probably all of the above. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, trying to get another deal is, is, is um, I guess, I'm not going to say difficult, but you definitely got to know about chess. Because if you're going to make a project, you're going to have to try to make a project that you know that's going to, somebody else is going to have to be able to see. So that means you're going to have to make uh, this project a certain type of way. And you can't take like if you're going like a street movie with the outcome and inspiration you can't take that like to um, say if you're going to try to get another deal you're not going to try I wouldn't take that to another white company that only puts out rock and roll movies or horror movies I would go to like right. uh, Charles D. King and Macro because that's who I that's, that's the company I want to work for you want to go like Charles D. King and Macro you want to go um Lena White with a human grad. You want to try to go to Ava DuVernay with with, with a ray. You, you know you have um, 
you have people that's out there like Nima Barnett. She's she's like a, a mentor. She was the first uh, one to do do films on TV and stuff. And she did Black Lightning. You have to want to try to some type of way to get in touch with these people that can watch you and know that you're serious about your work and you're just not a fly by night person. Because I'm pretty sure that these people get people who bring in their movies and all the time or even talking to them about a movie. So you want yours to stand out. So you want to put your whole heart into your movie and make sure that it's something that you love and something that you're proud of and you and that you're comfortable that you know that you'd be comfortable giving to somebody else because right. you wouldn't like if you wanted to go to jay-z if you don't have no nothing and they have title and they putting up stuff on title you wouldn't walk into jay-z and be like uh okay here's my one minute movie you really gotta work it out try to if your best try to shoot your independent movie i don't know what you have to do but that's what i'd go for if i'm going for these people who's on an upper level because you want to show them what you can do and all the work that you can do let them know that you're for real out here and that you're not you're just not going to be a fly-by-night person because when you're when you're going and you're giving your me to these people and you're saying here please look at my movie that's not really what you're doing you're they're saying here please give me a million dollars well, give me two million. Mm-hmm. Give me three, because that's really what you're asking these people for. When you say, "Look at my movie," that's what they're thinking. They head the, the budget is probably what they need. So that's what you got to remember, and always put out your best, and then your best impression first, and your best foot forward, because you only get that one shot. Like a guy, what what just happened to me? My brother had just passed. My little bro had just passed, and um. There's a, there's a guy by the name of Tony. I'm not going to give his last name, but shout out to Tony, though. He's in uh, Chicago. He's in Chicago. And what he had did for me was he put the he put, he put the phone call in for me to talk, be able to talk to uh, a guy by the name of uh, Freeway Rick in uh, Los Angeles. And Freeway Rick has a book coming out. He has a cannabis line, and he has a film, film line, Freeway Films. And sometimes people see you and see all the hard work that you have did over the past, and then they'll, you know, they'll, they'll throw you the ball. And you got to be able to catch that ball and, and, and run with it because you don't get a spark every day like that, or which I call a hit. Sometimes some people might say, hey, I know this multi-million dollar person that's this person for you to talk to, but that might not have came for another two years. You might have talked to Will Smith two years ago and didn't work out. But all that time while you're working and trying to put out stuff, you're still creating, but you might not have that connect. And then somebody sees that all the hard work that you were doing and they have a connect and then they'll give it to you. Like he, they'll call, like he called and told me, Hey, I want you to talk to freeway. Um, I seen all the hard work. I'm sorry about your bro. Um, all the hard work I've been watching you. And I think that, um, this would be a good fit for you. And I talked to him and I told him about you and, uh, we're going to, we're going to call him. So you got to put your first foot forward and always keep working hard because you never know who's watching you. And, that, and that's what this is all about. It's art, and remember that it's art, and keep going. Remember that it's art, and keep going. So that's what we're gonna close with. Keith Lee, remember that it's art, and keep going. That's right, that's 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 exclusive to you, brother. Yeah, thank Keith you. Lee. Thank- Thank you. So, thank you guys so we much. Want, we want to. Oh, 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 wait, wait. We want to. Uh, let me. Let me thank you. For, <laughs> we want to thank you for being on. You know, this is your third time on a TFR platform. First time we interviewed yes, you via phone. 
Second time we were talking about when COVID first hit and I had various filmmakers and music producers online and they were talking about the COVID. And then this is the third time, but we're on hashtag observations TFR. So we appreciate you yeah. coming on again and make sure that y'all go to Amazon and see his films, right? So what you got to say on the way out? Uh, thank you, Mr. Keith Lee, for being with us today. You were very informative. I learned a lot, especially about what's going on in Stockton. And a lot of it mirrors what's going on in some of our other cities. I'm sure certain things that you mentioned uh, remind me of here in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, just some of the things that, that go on here. Uh, stay encouraged. Stay putting out good thank material, you. good content. I'll be looking forward. I'll be watching it. I'll be spreading the word and getting my people to look at it. And thanks again for being with us today. Thank you so much. And Craig, thank you for having me on. Man, it's always a blessing with you. You you ask the right questions, you know, to get it out to people. You ask the questions that the people want to hear. Because sometimes people don't ask those questions that the people want to hear. So you have to be able to be a great interviewer. And that's that's definitely what you are. You make you make you make me feel at home all the time anyway. So Thank you so much and bless you. Bless you, man. Bless you. Thank you so much. Okay, bless, bless to you, the whole family. Condolences. I've told you that before. And, you know, I can't wait to see the next, next vision, part two, part three, part four, part five, part six. Then the next one that you do, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and the next Dang. one. And make sure you go over to Amazon Prime and see the West Coast. An American, an American dream playing right now on Amazon Prime. So we're going to let you go, Keith, because we're going to go on with the rest Thank of the show. But uh, believe me, brother, we appreciate you. You give Thank so much information every time that you come. You give information and people listen. They will learn from you. So there it is. Thank you, guys. Bye, Tanya. Thank you. Bye, Craig. Bye-bye. Right. Uh, let's move you up. We'll move you up. Tanya, and change the screen just a little bit and go like this. Okay. Here we are. Okay, with the look. People, you were just listening and watching Keith Lee independent do-it-yourself filmmaker from Stockton CA Stockton California right make sure that you watch his film you will be pleasantly entertained and informed it's like education edutainment without too much of the preachy 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 like people always talking about preachy but Bull, bullshit they need to hear something but anyway look right right <laughs> the west coast right an american dream the west coast an american dream we'd like to thank keith lee for being on that was informative uh full of information right and guess what it guess what time it is well before we get to what time it is let's go right here and say we appreciate you watching us, right? 
We appreciate you watching us and hopefully you appreciate the programming, the informative programming that we bring and go on over to get your QR code pumped up on your phone and scan either the Cash App on the left or the PayPal on the right and drop a few dollars on those accounts and say, hey, we appreciate hashtag observations, TFR. If you don't have a QR code reader, just go right over to your Apple store or your Google Play store and download a free QR scanner. And then scan these. They'll be up when you play it back. Or you can go to Cash App Dollar Sign TFR Podcast Live. That's Cash App Dollar Sign TFR Podcast Live. Now, as usual, you know, we had our guest and we were pumped to have our guest, but you know what time it is on the Usually it's on the front end, but we're doing it on the tail end today. We have to do our, as usual, memes. That's right, our, our, our information. Okay, so let's start with this one. Common sense should delegate, but people are stupid by choice in most instances. That comes from the infamous DJ remix. Common sense should delegate, but people are stupid by choice in most instances. Right? Let me say something on that. Okay. Go on, go on, go go, 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 go. I mean, you know, some people might look at that and be offended and be like, well, I ain't stupid. I ain't, I ain't stupid. But my thing is if you fail to research if you fail to like he said common sense should delegate one of them delegations is research common sense should tell you if you're not knowledgeable in multiple aspects of a situation that you go do your research to find out by not researching that's the choice to be stupid just to let you know I think you offended him more right there. Wow. That, that, was, that was offended. That was offensive. Wow. Okay. Let's go to the next. Let's go. <laughs> okay. The only X I miss is extra money. The only <laughs> X I miss is extra money that comes from that comes from Jay Smooth, uh, Jay Glover, Jay Smooth, right? Let's keep moving here. Keep moving on through. All right, let's go to another one. Bring this up here. Okay, this one applies to everything that we've been talking about earlier in the interview today with Keith Lee as well as what we talk about in general, right? Copying is a part of flatteryism. I didn't even know flatteryism was a word, but hey, I'll take it. It's an ism, flatteryism. But being original is better than being a sequel. <laughs> 
a voice Cop and not an echo. Copying is a part of flatteryism, but being original is better than being a sequel. <laughs> what about a what about a prequel? Is is the prequel good? You know, like anyway. Let me keep moving. Yeah. Okay. So this one, this one, I found this one. I found this one hilarious, right? I found this hilarious. <laughs> huh. <laughs> Look at that face. How's that fake vegan meat? Meat. How's that high blood pressure medication? <laughs> you know what? Let me say, let me, let me say something about that one. That is absolutely right. And for those who are a little bit you know, you got people who they are a little bit antagonistic towards uh, doing the uh, all meat, you know, or no meat thing, but then using meat substitutes. I've had some people say, well, if I'm going to have a meat substitute, I may as well have the meat. And I could concur after uh, holding huge amounts of fluid after using a lot of that, um, those products, I won't name them by name, but the uh they call it meatless meat um you can use it for spaghetti chili all that stuff but man oh man you're talking about holding some fluid holding some salt if high blood pressure has been a thing for you and you're keeping it down you can't eat that you have to you can't eat that you're gonna have to just go to all vegetarian and and use stuff that's made out of chickpeas and stuff like that for that protein consistency you're not gonna be able to do the um, the substitute meats too high in sodium because most of them are frozen. Yeah, the frozen the frozen thing is just uh, is a disaster. Like like you're trying to figure out how to, especially during this COVID, you're trying to you have to exchange half a dozen of one thing for half a dozen of another, right? You're trying to cut down on the sugar, trying to cut on the salt because you got the salt because you got to be able to move when the time is to move because character is action, right? Okay. Right. Here you go, Tanya. You're making a film. Choose four actors to star in your movie. No more, no less. Good luck. Okay, so let's go through them. All right. I don't know who the first guy is. That's Anthony Hopkins. Of course, you know, that's uh, Morgan Freeman. That is Samuel L. Of course, that's Jack Nicholson, and that is old boy, and then that's Will Smith, and then that's uh, oh god, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Boy, anyway, Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, and then that's uh, Jackie Chan, and of course that is De Niro. De Niro, and then that's that kung fu kicking dude from out the movies, and then that is uh, yeah him, and then that's the other guy, and then that's that guy, and then that's that. Uh, Keanu Reeves, and then of course that's Donald, uh, not Donald, yeah, Donald Glover, and then that is uh, the other dude, and, and of course you know that's Danny, that's right, and then you know that is Denzel, and then of course that's Brad, and that is Pacino. Okay, so out of those, out of these names, out of these people, four actors. Four actors. Uh, Hopkins, Jackson, Washington, 
and oh wow, it's a it's a it's a rough one between those last two. Let's see, Hopkins, Jackson, Washington, and I'll say De Niro. For me, at first, the first initial thing was to go American Black and go uh, go Morgan Freeman, Samuel Jackson, Will Smith. But then I saw Danny Glover. But then I saw Denzel. And I said, No. But I say, Now, am I trying to put people together that's gonna be a blockbuster movie? Now, so you have to think blockbuster movie and people who have not been on screen necessarily together, right? So I would take seven and eight, Will and that guy, right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Seven and eight. Then I'm looking at Brad and I'm looking at Denzel. So I'm looking at those four. Hanks, okay. Smith, uh, Washington, and Pitt. Okay. I think that would be an interesting movie to see, right? That would be an interesting movie to see. But I would like to see them in their prime. All of them acting at the time in their prime if they had to use some CGI to make them prime. You know, mm -hmm. to to give it the full the full weight of what it is, because the truthfully, some of them are getting long in the tooth. You know, I mean, we all do. We all do, right? Tracy said she has her picks. Okay, who she said? Who she said? She, she said Samuel Jackson, Bruce Willis, Denzel Washington, Will Smith, and well, she had five, and, and Brad Pitt, and Brad Pitt. It's just four. Name, name the first. Name the first. Well, name them again so people can hear you. Samuel Jackson, Bruce Willis, Denzel Washington, and Will Smith. Now that might be interesting because you have Will uh, does action and drama. Bruce Willis does action and drama. Denzel does more drama, but he ha he has done some action. And Samuel's the crazy one. <laughs> he does a drama crazy. Can you can you imagine that Samuel L. Jackson is in his seventies now? It's unbelievable. Wow. It's unbelievable. Okay, let's move on. The world does not benefit from you hiding your bad assery. The world does not benefit from you hiding your bad assery. That's I true. thought that was I thought that was I thought that was pretty good, right? There's, you know, a little motivating. You know, we had Keith Lee on today and he is a motivation a motivational person, right? Throughout it all, through success, through up and down, through through tragedy, he makes it through, right? Okay, so let's go to this one right here. Okay. This one comes from a COVID denier. We express all viewpoints on the show. 
If my cough or sneeze can kill people, then why would they need to stick Q-tips up my nose all the way to my brain? Shouldn't my saliva be enough? There is nothing logical about COVID. It's a giant scam. If my cough or sneeze can kill people, then why would they need to stick Q-tips up my nose all the way to my brain? Shouldn't my saliva be enough? There is nothing logical about COVID. It's a big scam. And what I say about that is there's certain science, there's a certain science to this and where the COVID lodges lodges in you to unleash the cement type symptoms on your lungs, you might have to touch your brain. But that's an old test though. They have newer tests. I don't know if she was subject to a older test, but they have new tests that don't go all, don't hit the brain. <laughs> don't give you a lobotomy. Let me say something about that one. Okay. Go ahead. Um, what I say about that, as a person who is uh, reasonably health conscious and and things like that, what I say about that is because you don't know enough about it uh, to err on the side of caution. Um, you know, err on the side of caution. You don't know enough about it. So if it is a giant scam, you need to bring us proof of that before you're able to walk around. And I would have to too, because I have certain views on COVID as well. But in order to um, walk around and hold on to those things and just be doing what I want to do all willy nilly, I would have to bring some kind of proof that is powerful. Of course, if it's a giant scam, then you got to have proof else you need to just do what you want to do in your house and follow the rules when you come outside the house. In fact, just stay in the house. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's have a versus battle. Black excellence versus black complacency. <laughs> complacency has more hit records, but excellence is a new artist on the rise. Who you got? Now, this is Boyce Watkins. Politics makes strange bedfellows, but. This is obviously inspired by the Jeezy, uh, uh, Gucci Mane battle that happened yesterday, the uh, versus battle, right? And so let's have a versus battle. Black excellence versus black complacency. Complacency has more hit records, but excellence is a new artist on the rise. Who you got? Hmm. In the end, you know, they, a new generation always comes around and the new generations never really want to listen. They're programmed not to listen. So it's probably going to be complacency, unfortunately. Okay. Next one up. Hey, what can you say? Let, let your smile change the world, but don't let the world change your smile let your smile change the word world <laughs> the word 
but don't let the world change your smile. What you got to say to that? I never had it, never will. I will continue to smile and it's not a denial of anything that may or may not be going on in my life uh, that may be ideal or not ideal. It's about the fact that I am radical against um, things that uh, speak opposite of what I speak concerning my life. I don't have no reason not to smile. I mean, yes, there are times of sadness and maybe disappointment through life, but my smile brightens up a room. I've been called in different arenas, different arenas, different types of people. They just call me sunshine. They just call me that. They say I light up a room when I come in. Why? Because I come in with my smile and it's, it's emanating something that's coming from the inside. I'm smiling from the inside out. It's not just a mask. It's who I am. So when I come in, plus, you know, I like smiling at my own self. I got, you know, I'm a tad bit vain. So I have mirrors in every room that I sit in. And I like looking in them and I like smiling because I know the smile is beautiful and I love it. And it does, it, it's healing. Smiling is healing for everyone. And so that, that innately describes who I am. It's who I am. Oh, what did Tupac say? Smile for me. Won't you just smile for me? And yeah, that loop. Marry the person who calls you back after an argument just to remind you that no matter how difficult things become, they aren't going to leave you. Marry the person who calls you back after an argument just to remind you that no matter how difficult things become, they aren't going to leave you. Yep. Thought that was a good one. I thought that was a good one. And, and the last meme of the show, which I, I we've been talking about MCs and we've talking about rappers, and I think that this guy that's actually a trust fund kid should have <laughs> no opinion whatsoever on this situation because he is talking, in my opinion, out the side of his dubiously two-sided, two-headed <laughs> neck. Obama, Obama has reared his head in his book. He said, Obama says, the bling, the women, the money in rap music could explain Trump's increased appeal to some rappers and black male voters. Hmm. We didn't have no dog in that hunt, but I could tell you that what what really appealed to him to most of the so-called rappers, some rappers and black male voters about Trump was his ability to get things done for American blacks that you never did, Obama. 
Obama says the blink, the women, the money in rap music could explain Trump's increased appeal to some rappers and black male voters. Are you hating that someone got out there, that someone's getting out there and making their way without having a trust fund? You know what? Um... This was just, I mean, to read this and to look at this is disturbing and very irritating uh, to me. It's very irritating. He says the bling, the women, the money in rap music could explain Trump's increased appeal to some rappers and black male voters. Actually, that's very insulting. It's insulting as well. So you, he really, really sounded like the typical uh, privileged white man is what he sounded like. That's what it sounds like. You could take that face off of there and put any other white face on there that you want to put on there that would speak uh, condescending concerning black people and our vote. So in other words, you're calling uh, that demographic of black people stupid like they wouldn't have any other thing that they could judge and, and judge whether they would want to vote for this man on other than those aforementioned things. And then you got the nerve to say that out your mouth in a book. And I don't know how many black people are buying it, but you are out of order, sir. You sound like what you've been rubbing shoulders with. He is extremely out of order with that statement. That was irritating to me. I had to say something. I mean, it's just out of order. The whole statement on so many different levels is out of order. Read the last, read the last two comments that just came up from Christian and uh, Kristen and Tracy. and Tracy. Yeah. Kristen says somebody need to tell him. Yeah, somebody does need to tell him. And uh, Tracy said, if only Obama had invested the same energy into the black community. Well, I mean, the thing is, he, he wasn't investing in nothing in, that he couldn't identify with. He invested in exactly what he could identify with. From start he, to finish. He's he's always condescending and low talking to American blacks. He told the American black young males that you need to pull your pants up and uh, take responsibility for your children. But there are more Caucasian males that are not in the household of their children. That's fact. Because they're more in the population. And maybe you should have done something, Obama, like drop that reparation so that people could have a fair and a fair opportunity. That's what Keith Lee was talking about. We didn't get into the reparations discussion, but really that's what that's about. When you come from communities where they cut freeways through the economic base. To destroy the economic base purposefully. This is not slavery. This is not during, well, it is during Jim Crow, but this is moving into the northern cities or moving out to the west coast to try to get away. And then what did the police do but go to Mississippi and hire people to be the police force in L.A.? white white officers 
segregationists, bigots, racists, white supremacists, right? Maybe Obama, if you had any sense, just my opinion, my observation, if you had any sense, you would quit down talking of people who have constantly, every generation, found themselves, found a way to advance up, but are always, they always find a way to knock us back down. So Obama says the bling, the women, the money, and rap music could explain Trump's increased appeal to some rappers and black male voters. Well, you know what? That sounds like a closeted gay dude. And I, mean, I think he should come out the closet because every young male likes to dress nice, have the nicer things, likes women, likes money, likes to listen to the latest music. But somehow he equates that as a negative when Trump, what did Trump do? Trump did the first step back. Brought people home. Pay 10 years, 10 years largest payment to historically black colleges and universities. Got the, the first step back was letting people out of jail that Biden had in jail since way back then in the 90s. People of Generation X. That's what Keith Lee was talking about what Biden did with laws. And people say, laws don't matter. I say, yes, they do. Because they live on past their date that they were passed. If it was 47 years ago, those laws are still in the books and people should get more astute about politics. What did Kristen say on the latest? Uh... She said, as soon as I shared this, the whole broadcast went down on my side. I can hear and see nothing. We know how it goes, sis. We know how it is. Wow. That's something else, right? That's something else. We got perfect streaming, though. I see it doesn't say that we're out. It doesn't say that it uh, was ever cut. Refresh. Tell her to hit refresh. Yeah, yeah. Refresh. Refresh. Or oh, you, you should tell her to hit refresh. You know, and then it'll come back up. But look. We have to like, sit on Obama. Obama is starting to become problematic. Him talking about racism after the fact when we needed him to talk about racism. He wasn't talking about it then. He's starting to become problematic. And he's always downplaying American black men, young boys, young men, black men, American black men, he's always downplaying them because those sound like the words of his grandfather when he was living in Hawaii. Have you ever seen that picture when he was a little boy on his grandfather's shoulders at the water mm -hmm. looking just like his grandfather, just the black version? It's those mm -hmm. words that he heard that were not nice towards American black people, which was the stereotype done to make people believe so the people who were in power could then run freeways right through 
economic districts that were built, burnout, burnout buildings and, and collapse, drop bombs on movements and do all kinds of other things and send people to jail as, boy, you have to sit there and really think about, you have to really think about this. I mean, like, dude, you need to shut up. I mean, really, he just needs to shut up. He just really needs to shut up. Okay, we got eight minutes. You got uh, four minutes to close. You know, we have to, we as American black people have to stop uh, staying on or getting on the bandwagons of people just because they can do little things. Like, you know, he sang some Al Green, so we identify him with being down. Uh, you got certain preachers, they will quote uh, 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 the latest song, These Hoes Ain't Loyal, and all kinds of stuff like that. Y'all go to their churches and jump on those bandwagons because they said something clever, so they're supposed to be down. Come on! Stop wanting to be entertained by by foolery. I don't care if they hold the highest office in the land. Foolery is foolery. Condescension is condescension. Insult to your intelligence is insult to your intelligence. Or maybe, maybe it's not so much intelligence. Maybe that's the reason why they know they can do that. In any event, it has become painfully apparent that a lack of, of care or a lack of constitution towards certain things have enabled us to be played to the left like a bad spade's hand. I mean, it's painfully obvious. Now, this, you know, these stupid um, uh, things and y'all gonna go out and buy his book. Oh, you know, he was, uh, he was, you know, I had people say, oh yeah, that was the best president we ever had. I said, why? Tell me, tell me, give me three solid reasons why you feel that was the best president we ever had besides the fact that he he had brown skin give me two other reasons crickets well no he just did a lot for black people yeah tell me what tell me what besides disparage and 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 side on the side of those who are anti-black tell me what else he did to me I, I don't care. I mean, you know, y'all y'all could be mad or upset or whatever. I don't care. He looked like every other face when I go down all of the presidents, all of the, the presidents up to up to where now they're all the same white faces, including his. Because it's out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So, and then your actions, what you speak is followed up by your actions because you feed your words into your own spirit. That's what you believe. And so it's time out for that. If we're going to do anything else, what's getting ready to happen is those of us who are awake for real, not just awaken into another dream. Those of us who are awaken for real are going to leave y'all behind. And you can, you can, you can, you can, um, you can interpret that however you want to interpret that. But that's what's going to happen. Because me personally, this is just me. I don't have any more time for foolery. It gets on my nerves. It makes me want to say all kinds of things that I don't like to say. And so the way that I alleviate those things is I exit stage left from the program. I exit stage left. I leave people where they're at. And it's going to be a whole lot more people doing that. People who are 
able to lead in this time are not going to sit around and play tently winks with you guys. We are going to go out and lead people who can hear. And unfortunately, it's not going to be those of you who think you think it is. It's going to be a lot of people who are common folk. They may not hold high positions in high places. They're going to be common folk with extraordinary gifts. And those are the people that's going to be led into places and do great exploits. God said his people will do great exploits. He is. Everybody ain't his. I don't care how much you say in his name. Everybody is not his. The proof is in the pudding. And so some of us are not going to be, we ain't going to be able to hang with y'all. We just going to be Sarnara goodbye. Sarnara, I, you know, I love you from a distance. I have, I have empathy for you. I have sympathy for you, but I can't hang with you. You my people, but you ain't my kind. That's what time it is. It's sad, man. Sad. Sad, sad, it's sad. Look, this is the same thing that we're gonna to have to deal with the half Jamaican, half Af African by immigrant parents, not American black in Camilla. Camilla, I'm gonna be nice. We're gonna deal with this. We're gonna go with the half Kenyan, half Kansas, City in by Kansas living in Hawaii first time. This time, vice president, she's supposed to be black, but they're talking about only Indian from India issues. 500,000 Indians, 90,000 uh, refugees, 1 million dreamers, and a partridge in a pear tree. Okay, look. I mean, but, you know, brought it on yourself. Hey, what can you say? Y'all brought it on yourselves. Y'all gonna get what, y'all gonna get what's coming to you. But look, you got this man doing that talk. It's garbage. His book should go to, to 99 cent bin. But anyway, look, people. This has been a robust episode. It's Friday. Can you believe it? It's the fifth installment of the independent do-it-yourself nature of filmmaking, right? Our special guest interview was Keith Lee from Stockton, California. Make sure that you go back and listen again and get your notebook because there's a lot of information put down in there that Keith Lee drops, right? All week, we've been dropping information about auteurs, about how to make a film, the sound on a film, etc., etc., etc. Go back to number one, start with number one, and come all the way up to number five. It's invaluable for the filmmaker. We are just proud that we could bring it to you, right? So, this Sunday is hashtag TFR Podcast Live. Sundays at 5.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 p.m. Eastern on the Film Review Life channel. Smash the like button, smash the share button, smash the like button, smash the share button. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the channel. We drop information, we drop reviews that will save you revenue. 
Next Monday through Friday is more episodes of Hashtag Observations TFR. Monday through Friday, 9.30 a.m. Pacific, 12.30 p.m. Eastern. We shall see you on Saturday, Sunday. Oh, Saturday shows are coming, but we'll be talking about that. We'll see you on Sunday, then on Monday with another great episode of Hashtag TFR. Hashtag Observations TFR. About your movie, why I made the curator's pick of the Hollywood French community, unity, 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 unity